800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY Juno from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Local first. Now, News of the North. From the capital city, I'm Jazz Garrett. Breaking news, a conceptual plan consolidating students in grades 9th through 12th grade at Juno Douglas High School, Yada Akkale, and grades 7th through 8th and the Homebridge program at Thunder Mountain High School, as well as adding 6th graders to the current K-5 through elementary school system, was approved by the Juno Board of Education last night. School Board President Dee Dee Sorensen spoke on what led to the two options that were presented at the meeting. Saturday, during our work session, we narrowed it down to looking at maintaining both of our larger facilities and then asking our staff to determine how small a footprint we could have in remaining buildings to create the most cost-effective configuration that we believe will we will be able to provide a high-quality education for our students, and then potentially as more revenues perhaps become available to, from the state, we will be able to then enhance those models that we have decided so that we can continue to advance the quality of education for all of our students. Juno School District Superintendent Frank Hauser talked on what factors led to both options eliminating the middle schools and shifting that student group to TMHS. There's a couple of pieces. One, looking at uh, the facility and you know the 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 newness of the facility or the use as an academic you know um, facility for whether it's middle school, elementary school, um, or high school. And in looking at the two larger facilities. Um, obviously, uh, Juno Douglas High School and Fender Mountain High School. Looking at those two facilities, uh, TM being one of the newer facilities that's been um, constructed, and seeing from a costing perspective, too, all the pieces that go, because a number of our buildings, too, have deferred maintenance and pot potentially need to have uh, remodeling taking place. And so that was a factor that went into uh, the decision around that. And then, of course, School size and the capacity of the buildings is also a factor when looking at um, potentially uh, moving and dividing grades up and looking at kind of that delivery model for specific grade levels. By the end of the meeting, which lasted several hours, option B was chosen, making Juno Douglas High School 9th through 12th grade and Thunder Mountain High School 7th through 8th, with the elementary schools becoming K through 6th. And the Alaska House of Representatives ended days of deadlock with an unusual bipartisan triumph late last night, voting 38-2 to two to authorize a major increase in the state's funding formula for public schools. The $680 increase to the state's base student allocation, contained in the version of Senate Bill 140 that passed the House last night, is the largest nominal bump in state history. It's also somewhat of a disappointment for education advocates because it's less than half of the $1,413 increase needed to make up for inflation since 2015. In Juneau, where the local school district has been facing a multi-million dollar deficit, the increase likely is not enough to forestall school closures, according to Representative Sarah Hannon. The bill contains some, but not all, of the education provisions sought by Republicans and Governor Mike Dunleavy, which disappointed Republican members of the House, but not enough for most of them to vote no. 
Early this morning, Capital City Fire Rescue responded to a shed fire at the Best Western on Glacier Highway. The damage was contained to the shed and a fence directly behind it. There were no injuries and the cause is still under investigation. And the investigation of a condo fire at the 9000 block of Glacier Highway yesterday has been concluded. The fire started on the kitchen stove top on the second floor of a three-story condo unit. The cause of this fire was a candle that was left burning on the second floor kitchen stove top. The fire was contained in the kitchen area. However, there was smoke damage throughout all three levels of the condo unit due to the materials that were burning. The only occupant was alerted to the fire by an explosion sound which may have been the breaking of glass items and various countertop kitchen appliances that were nearby. Damage is estimated at approximately $60,000. The smoke alarms did function and there were no injuries reported. Coming up, a deeper look at homelessness in Alaska. That story next with Jordan Lewis, when Local First News continues. The Alaska Coalition on Housing and Homelessness, the Anchorage Coalition to End Homelessness, and the Institute for Community Alliance co-hosted an informational session on the Alaska Homeless Management Information System, or AKHMIS, yesterday. Executive Director of the HKCH2, Brian Wilson, spoke to what they are focusing on this Advocacy Week at the Alaska State Legislature. This year, the big push is for housing Alaskans, a public-private partnership, a new funding source that exists outside of state government. It's intended to fill the funding gaps to get new projects online. We know that construction and capital projects in Alaska are challenging. Uh, there's a lot of um, increased costs due to shipping and uh, labor and a limited building season that aren't really recognized in other states. And so uh, to have a flexible funding source that's uh, free from a lot of the bureaucratic regulations that exist with state or federal dollars uh, has been helpful. And and this just this last year, even through a $1 million appropriation, we were able to grant out six different awards uh, to programs all, over, all across the state. Everything from building a single home in the village of Nikolai to building senior housing, multifamily projects in uh, Wasilla to building tiny homes in Sitka. It's a really unique funding source that we just need to see continue to happen. Owen Hutchinson, Healthcare and Homelessness Integration Manager, speaks in support of House Bill 262, sponsored by Representative Josephson. Would extend uh, the required notice for rent increases. When we see severely cost-burdened families who are paying 30 or over 50% of their monthly income on rent, these are the folks that are most likely to fall into homelessness because of only having 30 days to come up with the additional funds for a rent increase. So House Bill 262 would extend that notice to 90 days, and it's a complete game changer for a family to budget over the course of three months or reach out to homeless prevention services um, over the course of a few months to prepare for a rent increase. For over nine years, AKCH2, ACH, and ICA have worked together to develop the AKHMIS. The data is reported in the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development to document how people use homelessness and housing services in Alaska. This vital system indicates the overall need for services in communities across the state. It can help drive policy decisions regarding funding and program design. Analysis of data allows organizations to better meet the needs of people with unstable housing and improve client outcomes. The data can also be used to connect people with housing, shelter, and services. 
A man who recorded the violent death of an Alaska Native woman on his cell phone was found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder in her death and that of another Alaska Native woman. Brian Stephen Smith was arrested after a woman stole his cell phone from his truck and discovered the gruesome 2019 footage. The woman is a sex worker who became a key witness during the Anchorage trial. Prosecutors say she copied the footage to a memory card and then turned it over to police. Smith later confessed to killing another Alaska Native woman whose body has been misidentified. And federal officials have been seeking a better understanding of how many people are affected by severe weather. ABC's Brian Clark says new numbers are now available. The Census Bureau estimates that 2.5 million people in the U.S. were forced out of their homes by weather-related disasters last year. Greatest numbers said they were forced out by hurricanes, then floods and fires. And the highest numbers were in Florida, Texas, California, and Louisiana. The Census Bureau warns that sample sizes could be small, the standard for errors may be large, but officials say it's been hard to get a handle on how many people are displaced because they only know how many ask for assistance. Brian Clark, ABC News. Now you're up to date with Local First News. I'm Jordan Lewis.